Welcome to Film School Radio, the on-air online showcase for the best in independent documentary and foreign films. Every Friday morning from 9 to 10 a.m. Pacific and online at filmschoolradio.com. I'm your host, Mike Kaspar. Right now, we are going straight into our interview that we did with, or that we're going to do, pardon me, with uh, the director of an incredible documentary, wonderful, uh, and on so many different levels, and that would be Jack Bryan, and the documentary is called Active Measures. Jack Bryan, welcome to film school. Thanks for having me on. Hey, thank you so much for being here. Um, uh, I guess the, the obvious question is, I know where you learned a lot of this information <laughs> because of the people in your film and, and, and just that it's been in the zeitgeist for so long. But really, uh, first of all, I want to compliment you on your ability to kind of uh, distill this information down and also kind of turn it into a concentrated experience in terms of the cinema, but also in terms of just an understanding of what is happening, what has been happening and what currently is happening to American democracy. How did you get into this project? Thanks so much. I really appreciate that. Uh, the yeah, so we started this project uh, March of 2017, and one, the big sort of impetus for that was that even at that point, there had been a lot of really good reporting on this story. Uh, some of it going back, you know, ten years before this story became the story, sort of the origins of Donald Trump and the Russian mob, and Vladimir Putin going into other countries and trying to fix their elections. Uh, and so we knew this was out there, but it wasn't really, people weren't connecting with it because it was a series of names and it was hard to sort of figure out what was going on. And so we, we realized that people really needed to have the entire thing laid out from beginning to end, going back to the beginning, explaining the origins and the whys in order for them to understand what's happening today. And so that's what we tried to do. And let me say that thought that the way that you got us into the story, the at the very beginning of the film, it isn't just a recap of information that we know some, somewhat if you're paying any attention and watching the news on a regular basis. You kind of you kind of know a lot of stuff, but you think you do. But the fact that you introduced this to us through the story of Vladimir Putin and the backstory, his sort of history, his family's history, the history of Russia through the collapse of the Soviet Union and, and moving forward is, is, is a wonderful primer, a wonderful way for us to understand what, is, what has been happening. Um, just in terms of your, your decision to sort of introduce this whole this story that way, what was, why? Why did you do it that way? Well, we, you know, it, it was an attack from Russia that was, Several, it wasn't just one intelligence operation against the 2016 election. It was several, some that had been ongoing for decades, that were then turned towards it. So we really had to understand Vladimir Putin's outlook, his, his frame of mind going into this. And he was shaped in the fall of the Soviet Union. That was perhaps the defining uh, incident of his young adulthood. Uh, that was, he was a, a hardcore um, KGB officer. He was a hardliner. And when he saw the collapse of the Soviet Union, he felt that all of the promise of, uh, of Russia was being lost right. um, and that he wanted to make Russia great again. Okay. Uh, and so, so much of his motivation comes from that and so much of the type of propaganda that is pushed out, the type of information campaigns are based on that feeling of, frankly, inferiority um, and 
a lot of insecurity. Right. Well, and he is exactly what you said. His his the big picture for for Vladimir Putin is to return to a world where the Soviet Union and now Russia are considered the second superpower or a superpower on that rivals the United States. That's ultimately what they're they're about. But it's also an interesting backstory about his father, his father's experience at Leningrad and and how was at Leningrad, right, where his father was was fighting, or was that where he was? I sorry, I hope I didn't. Uh, they that. were, they were. No, 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 not at all. They were. I, I, he was at the uh, uh, front, I believe, in Stalingrad, Stalingrad, but they lived in in Leningrad. That's right. Yeah, I, I had. I knew. He I, returned home. Yeah, and he returned home to find his father returned home to find his mother lying nearly dead in the street, and he pulled her out from under this pile of bodies. And a few months later, Vladimir was was born. So she was pregnant. It sounds like with Vladimir Putin when when all of this happened and how that seemed. I, I, he was born. He would have been born slightly later. So okay. she was. She would not have been pregnant at that point. Okay. Uh, no. But it was. And, that, and that's by the way. That's assuming one of the interesting things about Vladimir Putin is that his past is very much shrouded in mystery, and the source on that story is Vladimir Putin. So it's it's. Oh, okay. uh, I, I think that it's very likely that it happened, but I think more importantly, it is a is a cue into his mind because yeah, right. World War II would have been a, an incredibly impactful event on every Russian. Right. I mean, in America, we don't really understand that there were tens and tens of millions of people uh, that were Russians that died during that war, and the entire state was was devastated in the aftermath. And and to Russian credit, they did the most fighting of Hitler. I mean, that they had more to do with toppling Hitler than any other country. And so it's this this mix of, of uh, that Putin is working with this mix of sort of really national pride in the midst of national tragedy. Right. I mean, they, they don't call World War II World War II; they call it the Great Patriotic War. Right. Um, and so it, there's this really, um, and so a lot of that's harkened back to sort of the time of Stalin has now become sort of a an okay figure in Russian uh, political life again. He's, he's seen it, but also it's. Harkens back to the Russian Empire of Catherine the Great, sort of notion of a nouveau Russia, and so it's 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 compounded by a lot of different historical factors. Right, and I think it is important to underscore that the the price paid by the the Russians in World War II is immense. I don't; it's it's incomprehensible to us. To the numbers I've heard, somewhere between twenty and twenty three million people died in Russia during World War II, that the this, this Nazis were so concerned about Russia that they devoted like 15 divisions to the Eastern Front and four or five to the Western Front. Gives you some idea of just how incredibly bloody and brutal it was. And you're right, it, scar, it has scarred the Soviet Union and now Russia to a degree I don't think we, we in the United States can truly comprehend. So it's, it's understandable to be able to use that 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 history and to play on the insecurities of the Russian people moving forward in order to gain the level of support that he currently enjoys. He, he's he's very popular, although his popularity seems to be in sort of a, a bit of a decline right now, but nonetheless an extremely popular figure in, in Russia, right? Indeed. I mean, I would say, but certainly it's true that, that his popularity is in decline right now, and it seems to be a fairly sharp decline. Um, and, and a large part of that is... Um, the economy catching up to him. I mean, you can't right. um, have that much corruption in a country where 100 people own 40% of the wealth. 
without it having horrible long-term effects on the economy. Also, right. the price of energy doesn't help. Right. The fact that they're an oil, petroleum-based economy, and that's been in, in, in uh, decline. The, the pricing went way down. I don't want to dwell on that so much. I want to get to – but you're absolutely right. It's just to give a frame of how you we get into the story and how the Russians were able to, over a long period of time, begin to cultivate assets within the, the United States through all of this sort of dark money that's r- rolling around. Is it something like over a trillion dollars has fled from from Russia during this period of time? Some immense amount of money, right? Yeah, uh, around $1.3 trillion, and actually that number is a little bit old. It's about a year and a half old, so it's probably about one one point five around there trillion dollars that has been flowing in, in flight capital from Russia. And, and the reason is, is that if you're a Russian oligarch, you don't really want to keep your money in Russia. The, the ruble is very unstable, and so what they do is, and also it's there's no rule of law there, so your money can be taken away from you very easily if you fall out of favor. Right. So what they do is they push um, money to offshore accounts, to America, to New York, um, and to London as well, and they use the mafia to do this. So the mafia basically works as a branch of the Russian government as a means of getting surreptitiously stolen money out of there for high-powerful officials and, and Vladimir Putin. Right. Uh, and so that they're, they're used and um, they use a lot of real estate in America, especially because real estate is the one thing that is cut out from the Patriot Act. Is you can't you can't look at real estate transactions, especially if a, if a bank loan is not involved. Um, and so it becomes a very easy way to launder that money into America. Right, and and hence the introduction of our current president of the United States, that would be Donald Trump, into this story. Uh, yeah, mm-hmm. yeah. I mean, it is. It's. I've I've heard Russia described as a, a kleptocracy. I've heard it described as a mob operation with nuclear weapons. It is. It is all of those things and more. And and it, and it, it. This. I will tip my hat to the the uh, inherent cleverness of the of this of this the idea of the KGB or the in this case case the FSB. Their ability to find ways into the Western democracies and Western economies, in in order to essentially either create chaos or or launder money. That seems to be what we're we're looking at. Is that fair? Absolutely. I mean, I, I think that that is, for me, I, I think one of the the most almost um, bizarrely fun parts of the film because it is tragic and it is, um, you know, bad for us as a nation. But it's also incredibly clever. Yeah. Uh, what they managed to pull, and, and they had practiced it, and they had done sort of, if you'll drop by runs in other countries where they fix elections. Um, but the amount that they were able to leverage, the amount that they were able to do was shocking. Uh, and it was, I mean, it's unprecedented yeah. on that scale. And so, yeah, I, I completely agree. You really have to, at times in the film, step back and say, this is just on its face of it, an amazingly well-run operation. Right. I, I heard uh, an interview recently with Robert Bayer, uh, a CIA, uh, well-known CIA uh, analyst and, and sort of a legend within the CIA. And I, he made the point— Yeah, great, great author, too. Great, great CIA books. Yeah, and he made the point is that the, the Russians never really stopped— the, fighting the Cold War, the, even with the collapse of mm. the Soviet Union, that in fact, and and we, the United States, were actually telling our our field officer officers, it's over. 
they weren't even funding any sort of counter intelligence for a long period of time uh that they were just we just we were told to walk away from this it doesn't matter anymore who knows why all of that happened but they continued because the ingenuity as we're describing of understanding their their adversary as they have and been able to really exploit the weaknesses within a democratic system and also within our banking institutions is is yeah my god I I wish we were that clever. Well, maybe we are that clever. We just don't know about it. But it certainly seems like they've taken very, very uh, uh, clear steps in that direction. Um, I want to remind our listeners very quickly, Absolutely. Jack, before we go any further, that we're speaking with Jack Bryan, and he's the director of this incredible documentary called Active Measures. I want to let people know they can go to the website at activemeasures.com to find out about this the, the film. Also, uh, if you want to host a screening, now it's in theaters right now. It's currently in one theater here in Los Angeles. But I want to let people know, where is it? It's, a, it's, it's also available on iTunes. And iTunes. Okay, good to know. And also if people yeah. choose, and I really would recommend people do this, host your own screening of Active Measures. Um, <clears throat> to uh, Essentially, I think this is such an incredible primer for people to understand uh, this the story of where we are and our, our American politics and how we got here as good as anything I've seen anywhere. Um, and so I uh, thoroughly encourage people go to the, go to the theater. It's in an arc light. I, I, I don't have it in front of me where it's currently screening. In. It's, the, it's a West Hollywood AMC. Yeah. I'm sorry. I can't yeah, pull AMC it up. West. Yeah. West Hollywood. Where's, go, go see it. Go see it in a theater because, <laughs> because, because inevitably people will walk as you walk out of the theater, either you're with somebody you want to talk about this or you'll, you'll gather in a group in, in the lobby to talk about what you just saw because it's that kind of a film. You, you, you really want to talk to people when, when, once you've seen this. I don't want to give a whole lot away, but it, to the extent you want to talk about the sort of the process of turning the turning of Donald Trump and sort of how that happened or not, I'll leave it to your. Yeah, sure. I, 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 I'll, I'll hum a few bars on this. <laughs> okay. The uh, the uh, so uh, well, as we said, one, one of the things that was uh, useful to uh, the Russians was using real estate, um, but the, the, this was best done through shell corporations, so you could hide who was doing it. Uh, and Trump Tower was only the second building in New York City where uh, shell corporations could buy condos without the owner being identified. So immediately it became a perfect vehicle for money laundering. And in 1984, a Russian mobster named David Bogdan personally meets with Donald Trump, uh, and he buys five condos from him. And the state attorney general rules that that transaction is money laundering. And so for the next 15, 16 years, 17 years, you see light, casual kind of money laundering going on within or actually, sorry, the Russian money laundering going within the Trump organization as part of general sort of dirty business. The Trump organization is constantly fined for laundering money, constantly fined for breaking the law, but it's not institutional really. It's not, with, it's not internal to the organization. And then around 2004, once Trump has gone through a series of bankruptcies starting in the early 90s and cannot get a bank loan, members of the Russian mafia start working within the Trump organization uh, and become his first first stop for money. Yeah. And that's when things really turn. Yeah. <laughs> yes, they do. And, and 
<laughs> it's, I, I think there, there, there's a website as well. I mean, the website for active measures, but there's a website that's been very instrumental in my personal understanding. The one that Bill Moyers has put together with Steve Hoover is a wonderful kind of a way to understand this in in uh, detail that you'll you'll probably bore the hell out of all your friends recounting. <laughs> but but it, nonetheless, it gives you the context. This film, I, I really I want people who are listening to the sound of my voice to understand this film will arm you with all of the information and all of the different um different sort of arguments you're going to hear in in trying to dispute what is happening to our country uh it'll give you all the ammunition all the information you'll need it is such a wonderful distillation of this information easy to understand easy to follow i i swear you want to watch this a couple of times too this is another thing about it and the 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 experts involved are are top notch everything about this this film and um I I just really want as a citizen you should see this. Forget the f- filmmaking, which is wonderful, but just as a citizen, you really owe it to yourself to watch this. Uh, in the last couple of minutes I have with you, Jack, I'm sure you're a busy man. I'm sure with uh, you're getting, I'm sure getting a lot of attention. Probably some negative. Some people are trying to knock you down. I'm sure others are are, are celebrating this film. Has what has been the general? Re- is there a general reaction from people who have seen the film uh, that maybe surprises you, or just a general reaction in 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 the after they've seen your film, Active Measures? Yeah, I mean, I, I, I'd say generally we're relieved. You know, you, you never. You know, we started this film. We really took a year to make it. Literally a year and a week from beginning to end, and we were so in the middle of it. We were doing every day was a sixteen-hour day. And, you, you know, you think, well, maybe I'm the only person who's going to understand any of this. And the reaction has been amazing. Um, you know, New York Times, L.A. Times, Variety, Hollywood Reporter all loved it. And we're feeling really great about how it's coming out. And, and it's, you know, we, we just went live last night. and It's already the number two doc on iTunes without really having pushed it. And uh, our screenings are starting to sell out. And yeah. it, it's incredibly exciting. I mean, the only, we've, the only negative response we've gotten is that people say it's, it's too much information and it's overwhelming, which I understand. But frankly, that's what we intended. It, you know, it's two hours with thirty years of story, right. and you can sit down and watch it and get the whole, the top line at least of every aspect of this scandal. Uh, and so, it is definitely highly informational. But if that's something that's interesting to you, uh, it seems to really be working. We're really excited, and I'm happy to hear you responding to it so well. Yeah, and again, that's why I said you you want to watch this at least a couple of times because. It, it, yep. it, you, you will. I, I just watched it. I watched it. Uh, yeah, I watched it twice. <laughs> so uh, <laughs> the the the, uh, the other thing is, I'm just kind of curious. I know Bill Maher mentioned, uh, sort of made reference to the film last week on his show, and he's off this week. And have you been approached by, by sort of? I'm I'm kind of curious the reaction among kind of the the higher end media to to having you on. Somebody from MSNBC? Are you are you getting overtures from from the press? Yeah, yeah, absolutely. So I, I should be doing, this would be actually a good thing to promote here, I should be doing Lawrence O'Donnell tonight. Okay. And then uh, next Friday I will be on, I'm supposed to be on Bill Maher. You know, I, I'm very excited for it, so yeah. I don't want to say I am because who knows. But I, that we have confirmed it. And right. It, it certainly, yes. 
Well, the fact that he mentioned it last week on his show, I thought, okay. Uh, I mean, it just sort of was a, it perked my ears up a little bit when I heard him mention it and how he said, hey, he basically said what I'm saying. Watch this movie. I mean, there's no, I mean, it doesn't leave a whole lot of wiggle room. Uh, well, the, and the other, the flip side of it, I, I, I'm assuming that some, you know, Breitbart or somebody or Fox News or I'm sure there's going to be some scathing expose on your well, private RT, life coming out uh, here soon or what? What's that? Yeah, RT and Sputnik, the two Russian outlets, have uh, have already done pieces on the film. Okay. Um, and then, actually, we, we've got the one uh, sort of negative review that we got, which said too much information. Uh, he then put, the guy who wrote that review posted on Facebook t- that it, 10 minutes after it went live, he got contacted by uh, Russian state TV for an interview. Oh, okay. And that was, so, a, okay. I, yes. <laughs> well, well, two things, and I don't want to be paranoid. I, I don't, but first of all, have you, have you, has anyone tried to sue you? And the second thing is, uh, are you, do you get a little bit concerned about your, your, your well-being given the, the, the players involved in, in, in this? Or? We did in the beginning. We did, we did in the beginning because we were dealing with the Senate a lot, and so we would get, listen, you never know, no one ever says, hey, I'm a Russian and I'm hired by the Russian state, but we would get some threatening phone calls, like voicemails left on our, on our phones. Yeah. I, I got followed through a train station once. Uh, we would get a lot of spear phishing attacks. It, it seemed to end though when the Mueller investigation started. I think that they kind of had bigger fish to fry, yeah. and now it's all media stuff. They're, they're trying to hit us in the media as hard as they can. Yeah. Um, yeah. But you know, I don't think that they've uh, they've connected yet because I think that the, they can't really say the film isn't true. Yeah. Um, because it is. Uh, you're doing God's work, and this is great. Uh, thank you so much for the film, and thank you so much uh, for coming on Film School. I've really been uh, been dying to talk to you, and uh, keep moving forward, man. This is great stuff. Thank you so much. I'm so happy to hear how you're responding to it, and you know, I, I hope your audience feels the same way. We really, you know, put our heart and our soul into this, and and uh, and we're really, really proud of it. Well, you should be. You should be. Again, the film is Active Measures. The director is Jack Bryan. You can see. You can go to activemeasures.com. You can go to activemeasures.com tickets. It's at, as I said, at the Sunset Theaters, uh, as well as you can host your own screening. That's also uh, an option on on the website at activemeasures.com. Thank you, Jack, for being here. We'll we'll talk to you soon. Be safe. Thanks so much. You've been listening to Film School Radio, the on-air online showcase for the best in independent documentary and foreign films. You can find out more about the program at filmschoolradio.com. I'm your host, Mike Kaspar. Thank you for tuning in, and we'll see you next week with another edition of Film School Radio.